Hi, welcome to The Bug Plug, a podcast about all things insects, arachnids, arthropods, creepies, and crawlies. I'm Kaylee, and today we're recapping January. So it's the last episode of the month, and we're going through some bug-related articles that came out this month. I did this for the first time in December and got no complaints, so we're going to keep going. Remember, you can rate or review wherever you're listening, or send me a message on Instagram or by email to thebugplugpod at gmail.com. No the, just bugplugpod at gmail.com. Okay, first up, there was a bee vaccine. This is my very favorite thing, so let's get right into this one because it's huge. So the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, has granted a conditional license for a vaccine, um, which was created by like a biotech company, to help protect honeybees from American fowl brood disease. So the vaccine, which will initially be available to commercial beekeepers, is going to help them fight like this serious disease caused by this bacteria larvae that I'm not going to try to pronounce that can weaken and kill hives. So it's knocking out commercial beehives, which is where we get like the honey if you're shopping in the grocery store for honey, um, which you really shouldn't do. Farmers markets have become a big thing um, basically everywhere, not even just in big towns. And then you can order local honey off the internet so and it's not that much more than what you would spend like at target so i don't understand why people are still buying honey from grocery stores when your local bees are using pollen from things like in your area to make honey which is better for you um but anyway that's not the point the point is There's a vaccine because there's currently no cure for the disease, um, which in parts of the U.S. have been found in like a quarter of the hives. And it requires beekeepers to destroy and burn any infected colonies and then administer antibiotics to prevent further spread. So it's like a big deal. So the fact that they can get a vaccine for it and like prevent having to deal with this at all is incredible. Like I said, it's only available to commercial beekeepers right now, but if it's found effective, it'll be available to beekeepers nationwide, which is very exciting. Our bee populations are facing so many threats that lower their numbers, so being able to protect them from a disease like this will cause just significant improvements in bee numbers across the country. And we love this. It's incredible news. Things like this are really what... I think will help pollinators in the long run because obviously we know pollinators are important and just regular people are starting to plant things that pollinators like, which is great, but there's really nothing we can do to prevent diseases and stuff for the pollinators. So having people focused on that is really great because it's helping the pollinators kind of on both ends. Very exciting. Moving on. The next news article is less than incredible. So get ready. This one's a downer. 
Turns out, climate change is affecting the insects. We knew that. I've mentioned it in all of our endangered species episodes, uh, but the article wasn't all about habitat loss, which is usually what we talk about um, in our episodes. It was more about the unbalance happening due to the speed in which climate change is happening. So what does that mean? Because I was super confused when I read that, thinking like it was leading to an unbalanced ecosystem or something. I mean, that was part of it. The article talks about how insects are losing habitats and food sources, but that wasn't what the title was referring to. Turns out the changes in temperature are causing insects to have to adapt and change more quickly than they've needed to in the past, which is leading aggressive insects to become more aggressive to find food and knocking out more timid, and honestly than ice bugs, out of competition for resources. So essentially... What they're predicting is things like wasps are going to get scarier and then things like bumblebees are going to die off because they won't be aggressive enough to fight the wasps for food. As humans, we'll also be in more competition with the insects that eat our food. Think things like locusts eating all of the soy. Um, They specifically mentioned things like rice and beans, just grains in general, um, really big staples for our food could be just totally knocked out if insects become more aggressive. So it's not a good thing for us. And then finally, we learned about mosquitoes a couple weeks ago and that freezing temperatures for a prolonged period lead to mosquito eggs not hatching. Remember, that's why um, I think it was Iceland doesn't have mosquitoes. It's because they don't have enough warm days in a row for the mosquito eggs to hatch. Well, as the world warm worms, as the world warms, we're seeing that like areas like Iceland are going to have more warm days in a row, which means there will be more mosquitoes in places that either didn't have mosquitoes before or that had a low number of mosquitoes. They're going to get more mosquitoes but that's not just going to affect them. It's also going to affect places that already have a lot of mosquitoes. We're just going to get more of them. Isn't that fun? That will make where I live, northeastern Oklahoma, an absolute nightmare in the summer because we already have so many mosquitoes. But without enough freezing days in between, or without enough freezing days to hold off some of the mosquito eggs from hatching. Literally, they're all going to hatch. There's going to be a million mosquitoes, and I'm not going to be able to leave my house. So, not great news. I promise we won't end on that. (laughs) On sticking with mosquitoes, a substance that's better at protecting us from mosquitoes is called DEET. Um, You'll see this, like, on your bug spray. It'll say, like, contains DEET. And some people are really sensitive to it. DEET. It's kind of a double-edged sword. So it disrupts a mosquito's ability to locate humans. And until recently, it was considered like the gold standard among typical insect repellents. But like I said, some people find its odor offensive. It's just some people are really sensitive to it. It's not great. It has to be reapplied frequently. And at high concentrations, it can damage synthetic fibers and plastics. So imagine what it's doing to your skin, even if you don't have a sensitivity. But then like you're laying by the pool or whatever and you keep applying it, it's going to deteriorate your chair, 
and potentially the clothes that you're wearing. So not great. Another popular repellent is known as picaridin. Again, I'm from Oklahoma. I don't pronounce things right. Picaridin. It's now regarded as like a better alternative since it protects longer and it doesn't have an odor or damage things. But like DEET, it has to be reapplied after swimming or sweating and like after a certain time period. So basically, a team of scientists have found a new combination of things that will take care of the negative with both substances, which is very exciting. So this new thing will last longer. It's not going to smell. It's not going to deteriorate plastics or your clothes. It's going to be safer for your skin. Just all around, it's better. Um, Very excited for that to hit the market because... Like I said, mosquitoes where I live are terrible, and I react to them. So being able to put something on before I go outside and having it last all day without smelling or irritating my skin is going to be amazing. Can't wait for that one. And our last article of the month is about bees, and I promise it's not negative. So for some backstory here, different flowers have different color patterns, which are called nectar guides. And it's believed pollinators use them as a map for the easiest way to get nectar. Now, we kind of knew this already when they're talking about the flowers that are best for pollinators. A lot of these are ones with really strong nectar guides. They're also ones that make a lot of pollen, have a lot of nectar, um, the nectar is easy to get to, that kind of thing. So a team in Germany has found out exactly how bumblebees are using these patterns to increase their efficiency. Surprisingly, flower patterns do not shorten the actual nectar search. After landing on a patterned flower, the bumblebees did not find nectar any faster on a flower without a pattern, or with a pattern. I said that wrong. Basically, they landed on a flower with a pattern, same time as landing on a flower without a pattern. Good? Are we all caught up? Okay. However, the flower patterns did shorten the approach flight time and ensured a strategically favorable landing position. So basically, they acted like markings on a runway to help bumblebees coordinate their approach. So they came in faster and easier, limiting their flight time, which is great because bumblebees, we learned a long time ago, don't fly for like a super long time. So to shorten that time is really great for them. Flower patterns also shortened the time like it takes to take off. The insects stayed significantly shorter on flatter, flatter, gosh, patterned flowers after collecting nectar. So typically bumblebees run to the edge of the petals to take off and they may find the site more quickly if they can orient themselves to like a pattern. While this is all very interesting, what it means for us is One, we can understand how bumblebees and bees in general are using the flowers to get the nectar, but then also act as pollinators. So we can plant more flowers that I guess are going to help the bees in that way. But it can also lead to modifications made on plants to help pollinators at a time when they can really use all the help they can get. So I don't know if you know this. I know it because my grandpa used to work at a plant nursery and they're modifying plants all the time. They have like a whole division that that's all they do. So one of the things they did was made urban apple trees. So they're smaller, can be kept like on your 
patio in a bigger town, but you still get apples. Very cool. But also, they'll work on modifying these plant patterns. So your, let's say petunias this year may have had not a super easy to see for the bees nectar pattern or nectar guide. This year, maybe they'll focus on nectar guides on petunias and that will help the bees in a way that like we don't even really have to pay attention to or notice. We're just going to buy our petunias and move on. But the people who deal with plants every day are looking at what the pollinators and insects need and are making modifications to help. It's really cool. It's a really fascinating branch of science. I I really love it. That story made me really happy. So we're going to close out on that one because it made my heart happy. And now I'm ready to get started with another week of work. So <laughs> this was only our second month of doing like a news type episode. I enjoy it. I like looking back at you know, what's happening in the world of insects and you're here. So clearly you like what's going on with insects and learning about them. So if you like this or don't like it, just let me know what you think. You can leave a comment wherever you're listening. All of those come back to the platform that I record on so I can see them. Um, you can also message us on Instagram by searching the bug plug, or you can email us, like I said earlier at bugplugpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for learning with me today. I'll see you next week here on the Bug Plug Podcast. Man, I can't talk today. The Bug Plug is researched by Kaylee, written by Kaylee, recorded by Kaylee, and edited by Kaylee. The Bug Plug's music, nope, the Bug Plug's theme is from Fine Tune Music. Dang it. You can follow the Bug Plug on Instagram and TikTok by searching the Bug Plug. And reach out to us by emailing bugplugpod at gmail.com. Get out of here. Why are you still here?